Hello and welcome to the Tough Like a Girl Comics Podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And you might be wondering, what? Tough like a what? Huh? Yeah, so... Long story made short and without dragging specific names into it because I like to think we're better than that. I don't always want to be better than that, but we're going to do it anyway. So, turns we'll see out... how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so there was, there was an organization that had trademarked Punch Like a Girl due to their business name. Now, initially, they caught on to us because we had the Punch Like a Girl t-shirt for sale. And honestly, they did have, a, even though like this business had nothing to do with comics, there was literally no way we could be mistaken for the same thing. Mm -hmm. They did have a little bit of grounds on the merch, but- Because that's a profit and that's, yeah. that earns the money and okay. We made an attempt to work with them and be like, okay, look, we'll, well, the t-shirt's already gone. We will, you know, make the name clearer. We were going to change it from Punch Like a Girl to the Punch Like a Girl Comics Podcast to make it absolutely clear and made it clear to these individuals that we make no money off this and that we don't think there's any issue, possibility for brand confusion. And we were hoping that they would let it go at that yeah, and they're not even in the same area as us in the country like, no they're on the other side of the country and the response i got back leads me to believe two things the first is i don't think they actually understand how trademark works but we literally got back and i sent them this was after a couple of back and forth i sent them this long thing saying here's what we've done is that gonna be okay? And all I got back was one sentence, we reserve our rights under trademark law. Oh. At which point we decided to just wipe our, wash our hands of the entire thing and just change the name, which we're not happy about because the reason is stupid. Yeah. But here we go, all the same. Well, I do like the new name. I like, we were discussing it, and I like that it's not necessarily, punch has a certain violence to it, whereas tough, um, you know, implies strength and like, you know, grit, um, but not necessarily violence, which I kind of like. And because a lot of our, our um, books that we review don't necessarily have a like combative superhero, you know, content. So. Yeah. So, you know, and, and and I did check. Tough Like a Girl is not trademarked by anybody. So, we're fine. Yeah, hopefully for now. Like, yeah. please. We're, we're taking it over. Um, <laughs> I'm not applying for a trademark for this. Um, but, in any, I, I do want to share, like, a couple of other things because, ultimately, this was our decision, Liz and mine's decision. But I did sort of, I kept the other guys from the network in on this. We also had my friend chime in, and I will say, like, the one semi-appropriate thing she said, um, which was also hysterical, so. So, yeah, we, we had a couple of suggestions for what we could change the name to, and some of them were things we won't say on this <laughs> podcast because we try and keep it family-friendly. Um, but one of them, what th this, was, what, this one was from Zoom, 
Uh, his was Strike Like a Female Would. <laughs> I love that one. That one's my favorite. <laughs> In terms of being facetious. Yep. Uh, um, Ryan uh, suggested punching. It's not just for boys. <laughs> I, I like that one as well. And I'm going to mention this one because he he was so proud of coming up with this that like it was a little unsettling. Rob came up with pow like a girl. Pow. Which is cute. I don't think it actually makes sense. I do kind of like it. it I mean, That's kind of like it's, my second choice. The, the degree to which Rob was was very pleased with himself on that one was, was a little like, okay, we, Calm down. I so, take your but, word for it. but your friend, uh, her safer broadcast so this suggestion. Is, this is um, Karen, who actually did Nathaniel's hair. If you watch um, Council of Geeks um, at all, you've seen the fabulous hair. Oh God, yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, yes, she is my very. Um, <laughs> latent and sassy bestie, one of the six best friends I have, and she suggested fart like a girl because <laughs> that is one of her favorite things to do. Um, and then she said a lot of things which were I cannot repeat um, here. <laughs> so, so that was the most appropriate thing which I thought was funny because she was not very <laughs> um, pleased with these people who went after I, us. I, I can I can easily guess at some of the other words that that Karen would have had. Uh, yes. But I think I think that's enough preamble and explanation for why the title has changed. I will probably occasionally say our old name by accident, and God forbid they come after us again. I'm pretty. I really don't want to deal with. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I feel pretty comfortable in saying that they have not actually checked out any of our stuff. You know, like, okay. So I am going to rant a little bit. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy when someone who is doesn't have that much power or clout in the world goes after someone who either is not at all related to what they do or just, you know, someone who basically like has a tiny bit of clout or power or has something like a trademark in this case and is just bullying it doing bullying behavior well it's it's the it's the petty tyrant it's the petty tyrant it's it's it is ridiculous and I, it's just so you know as someone who works in education i am not impressed by it <laughs> i really am not it is just very middle school. That's all I have. Uh, that's for now. That's all I have to say on it. Uh, this might become a running thing, but for now, we are going to talk about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So we are taking a look at Volume One of the Collected Trades for this title. Um, the issues that we have were written by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reeder. The artist was Natasha Bustos, which is. Which was one of the nice things, because oftentimes when we do these, because they're like five or six issues, it's not uncommon for us to end up with a artist change after the first four. Mm -hmm. So it's the same artist all the way through. Coloring was by Tamara Bonvillain. Mm -hmm. uh, lettering by VC Travis Lanahan. And Amy Reeder, who was one of the writers, also did the cover art. 
So I guess she's an artist too. Cool. So Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. We had our our own introduction to Moon Girl when we did The Wasp. Mm -hmm. So Lunella Lafayette. She did they say how old she, is she nine? I think they say this? she's nine okay. at some point. So she's little. Nine-year-old super genius. She is so much fun. She, coming into this, her she, her issue, and she knows this at the time this story starts, she is an inhuman. Mm -hmm. So, okay. We, we touched on this briefly when we did Ms. Marvel, but just in case folks don't already know. In the Marvel Universe, the Inhumans are a line of human beings who way back in the past were experimented on by the alien race, the Kree. I don't need to get into all this nature of why it doesn't matter. What matters is the Inhumans have basically something not dissimilar from the mutant gene like in mutants like the X-Men have. The difference is it's dormant until activated. So it is only when they inhale um, this substance called Terrigen, the Terrigen mist, that whatever their, uh, their inhuman powers are mm -hmm. manifest. And it is a complete dice roll. They never know before inhaling the mist what they're gonna get. They could get power, they could end up turning into something that looks completely monstrous. They could end up basically with limited mental faculties depending on what happens to them they could end up looking totally normal but having awesome powers it's a complete crapshoot now lunella knows that she has the inhuman gene and at the point at which this has happened the inhumans had set off a terrigen bomb so there is basically a cloud of terrigen mist that has been traversing the planet basically and if you've listened to our podcast many episodes back you know that that's what triggered miss mark or yeah Ms. Marvel. Yep. that so. that's what turned that's what gave kamala khan her power so we're mm -hmm. running into the same thing again and we're kind of overlapping timeline wise so she knows she has this so her big goal is to figure out a way to un to rewrite and undo her genetics mm -hmm. now parallel to this way back a long time ago it's just marked as ages ago you have basically ape humanoid people worshiping a Cree device. Um, they call it the Moonstone, and there's these these group. They call themselves the the Killer Folk. Mm -hmm. And back way back then, there was Moon Boy, who had control of a giant red Tyrannosaurus known as Devil Dinosaur. And he is one of the small folk, right? Yes, Moon Boy is one of the small folk. And he, you know, tried to dig to get this stone away from them. And part of what ended up happening there was a was they got launched forward in time thanks to a, additional stuff going on in the present at the same time. So now all of a sudden in modern day we have Devil Dinosaur and the Killer Folk, but also Lunella now has the now has this Moonstone has this device. That it's theoretically she should be able to reverse engineer what she needs out of it. Which she found with one of her inventions. Yes. But she now has a giant dinosaur to deal with who has immediately taken a shine to her. She's got the killer folk to deal, to deal with. She's got the fact that she is nine years old. So everyone's kind of like, 
will you just go to your room and like stop messing around with this stuff? Uh -huh. So we've got all this piling up on top of each other. We have an appearance by the Hulk, who this this one, we'll get into him specifically a little later. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just, it's that kind of madcap nuttiness. There with, is a lot going on the more I think about that. I was like, we did cover a lot, and there, it seems very strange when we talk about it. But like, Lunella, you know, explains it and has got it. And if... You understand her level of genius and that she has her own little lab then then it makes a little more sense so so having now covered the broad strokes and obviously we'll get into some more specifics including stuff that would be kind of spoilers as we talk more specific but broad strokes what'd you think i really liked it i really like lunella um i love her like i'm late for school dash like put her hair in a pony like ignite her little like rollerblades that pop out of her shoes like take off um i enjoy i think her relationship with devil dinosaur is adorable and how he's like woo, woo, whatever she's like you need to go away and she gets all cranky with him but like when he's like when he needs to carry her he just kind of like picks her up like she's a little kitten by her like backpack like <laughs> the loop on her backpack and just carries her wherever he's going um there's just some adorable illustrations, like the one where he's being taken away by the Hulk and he's looking back at her and it's just, he just looks so sad. He looks like a dog going to the pound. I know. And she's just adorable. I love her little ponytails that stick straight out. And you know, she's like having a tough time of it when she like puts in barrettes and they're not sticking straight up. They're going to like to the back <laughs> um i love that her helmet even has like the top cut out so her hair can go up top um i love her purple framed glasses and her like socks pulled up she's just a lot of fun um i kind of sense that like this whole like she's fighting this this inhuman gene and she doesn't want it to happen and she's not ready is almost maybe like kind of saw it as a metaphor for like maybe puberty or something they're they're playing it up that way in this particular one and, and so here's our first major spoiler she um she does not succeed in that she ends up inhaling mist before she gets to it. and actually this first volume ends with her having done so and then ending up in the cocoon that inhumans end up in um, and oh, I did when, not realize that. It, to me, it looked like I considered it like a dinosaur egg because she's devil dinosaurs taking no, care it's, of her. No, it's 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 the it's the inhuman transformation cocoon, and it ends with devil dinosaur taking her back to her lab and sort of curling up with this little green egg looking thing. I just yeah, he's so cute for a giant red dinosaur with flame eyes. He's just so adorable. Um, it was just a lot of fun. I I like the metaphors going on in here. I like that she struggles. Um, I don't... I mean, there's a couple points of coolness, but, like, mostly it's her just being kind of bored because she's too smart for what she does and trying to get into other schools and, like, 
everything. I like that the threats that she deals with aren't outsized. Like, they're not super villains. It's just a bunch of annoying killer folks that take the, the device that she thinks is protecting her and she needs to get it back. I like the connection with her mother at the end and how she's finally breaking through to her. Um, I just think it's a lot of fun and like there's a lot of relatable stuff for kids. I'm definitely going to, now that we've read this, put this in my library connection. Um, and honestly, I could go with either set. We just a heads up. Um, I I was working in two schools that were preschool through eighth grade, but now they've merged, like many small Vermont schools are doing. So now I have a pre-K through fourth grade school, and then a fifth through eighth grade school. And I I would be fine with either either of the schools having our either age group because there's not. There's not that much inappropriate things happening, honestly. So, yeah, I'm really happy, and I think it was fun. I, it's not my favorite, um, but I think it's fun. I will say that when the killer folk in the beginning were just talking, like, nonsense, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope this isn't throughout. But then they learned sort of a... Broken English. Broken, primitive, like... Um, English and that I was glad for that um, yeah I wish if anything I guess like I really want to know what happens to her I want a little more depth um, she's not a character I fell in love with it but I found her adorable and I really liked her relationship with devil dinosaur and I wish the villains were a little better and a little more developed um, but other than that it was good I, it took me a little while to get on board with her. I really had to keep reminding myself who the target age for this is because like she's being, basically she is the age that is the intended audience, but she's being written personality and definitely intelligence wise a bit older than she actually is, mm -hmm. which oftentimes annoys me because it can come yeah, across i figured she would not jive with you right it, away it can it can annoy me because it can come across as like a writer just not knowing what that age is actually like mm -hmm. um i did eventually sort of get on board with her i i gotta say this so i hated almost everything said at the school oh you didn't like the school scene. i hated I do them like that they they slid, my favorite part is that they slid down him though I, I it's not it's nice that they slid down the back of a dinosaur like it was the Flintstones but no what I hate about it is it, and again it's just lazy writing like I don't care how bad the school is the fact that a these kids are being taught by rote like literally the teacher goes the theory of evolution the kids are supposed to go the theory of evolution like that's how they taught in British schools in the 40s. Yeah, that's true. It no. is not the greatest depiction of school. Between that, the fact that the teachers don't step in in the middle of class when the entire class is laughing and picking on Lunella, the and like I understand that from a kid's perspective it can feel like that, but to actually depict it like that, I'm like, no. It takes me out of it because I'm like this school should be demolished. These teachers are horrible. They are kind of horrible. They're awful. And not, but not even in a comedic way, not in like a send up way, in a lazy writing, bad teacher cliche way. 
Yeah, I think you know why I didn't comment on the school that much. I think it was just so, like, there were so many tropes and, like, it was so... She tried to shut it out and forget about it that I think I did, too. So that was, like, I was just like, I honestly don't remember the school that much. And I must have been so blah and, like... I'm, I'm with Lunella. Like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> I think the other thing that the that it tended to do narratively, it tended to skip ahead, like at points that either left me confused or left me asking questions. Like, um, do you know why there's an explosion at the school? Cause, cause I don't. Uh, I've looked at this and re-looked at it. I don't know what act, I don't know what actually blows up. Yeah, they do seem to like pull away from action or fall into the middle of action at weird points now that you mention it. Or another one that jumped out to me is um, right before sort of the final stretch, Lunella, who uh, obviously her parents have not been cool with the fact that she's been, you know, rescuing a giant dinosaur from the from its... They do read about that in the paper. Yeah, from its yeah. special cage in the museum and so forth. She She says, you know... I know you love me, I know you're afraid, but I also know I can do this and I won't be alone, now don't wait up. And next thing we know, you know, she's off planning stuff and my immediate, she's off planning stuff with Devil Dinosaur in her full outfit and my immediate thought is, wait, did her mother actually agree to this? Did her mother let her go? Did she sneak out? How, like, no, that is too big a leap based off what we already knew about her mother and how her mother felt about this situation to go Literally with the turn of a page, like you. You've got a point there. You, you glossed over a lot. Her with her parents versus like Kamala Khan with her parents, and how much better developed those scenes are. Yeah. And how they really do like they let her have it, and like there is that struggle, and it is much more of a developed struggle, and like. You know, you understand it, but you also... Uh, the whole scene with her father, Kamala Khan's father, versus Lunella and her mother is just a much more poignant scene. Yeah. So, I, I, think, the... I think you do have a really good point there. I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, like, the parents... There is a little bit of lazy writing, and... I, th I think the thing is, one of two things went wrong. Either... Because it seems like I'm supposed to buy that she like with this impassioned line that she just talked her mother into letting her go but i don't buy it which means they either needed to show me give me a better reason to believe that she convinced her or they oversold how much her mother was against it ahead of time mm -hmm. because to the degree to which i understood she would not have been okay with this no i don't buy that so sort of setting those things aside Mm -hmm. I love Devil Dinosaur a lot. Like you said, he's he, adorable. He, 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 he definitely is. Oh, he's just like, he's just all or rawr. And, like, and I like that he's kind of like a T-Rex, but they're like, why is he bright red and have flame eyes? And he's, yeah, he's kind of the highlight. Let's. He, I, I, I have to agree. Lunella did grow on me, but Devil Dinosaur was always my favorite thing in this. What did you think about the Hulk? Because I'm going to take a while, I guess, and say this is your first time encountering this particular version of the Hulk. 
Um, he is not Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> no, well, he's not even Bruce Banner because this Hulk is Amadeus. Kind of annoying. He's Amadeus Cho, the totally awesome Hulk. I don't know who that is. His shorts are really stupid looking. I will say that. Like, <laughs> there's like some mesh thing going on in the like crotch area, but there's like some kind of padding or something on the outside. Like it's it's like these little plasticky parts sticking out on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've known about Amadeus Cho. I've actually this never. Is, so this is not my Bruce Banner. I'm in the Mark Ruffalo. No. Ruffalo. I never know how to pronounce his name. I just really like that actor. So therefore, yeah. I like the Hulk probably more than I actually usually would. So. Yeah, like this is my first time encountering Amadeus Cho and. He's kind of a tool. Yeah, he's a bit of a tool. I get the impression that he's, like, supposed to be, because, like, they play it at a comedic level. He's like... He's like the traditional Hulk crossed with... I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, uh, Flynn Rider from Tangled. <laughs> That's sort of very... In, but I like Flynn Rider. Very into his own reputation. Uh, I'm so awesome. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. But, yeah, he's a... He is a bit of a tool. I, I do kind of like... In that it in it that long. No, he's not. It's, it's a one-issue appearance. I do kind of like that eventually he does kind of like take Lunella a little bit more seriously towards the end. He's like, whoa, okay, look, kid, I'm genuinely sorry, but this is a giant friggin' dinosaur. It can't be your pet. Like, but it's her buddy, and it leads to the cutest picture where he's being walked away and looking back, which is just the greatest way to end a volume. I know, but I did kind of like that he had the softened moments towards the end of his appearance, whereas prior to that, he was all just like, Oh, you silly kid. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, he's obnoxious. Yeah. I'm not, I, this did not make me a fan of uh, the totally awesome Hulk. I can say that. We are a fan of the totally awesome devil dinosaur, though. Yeah. He's because he's adorbs and like I like the scene where he first is like running around in the city and smashing things up and causing total destruction, which like makes perfect sense because he's just been like traveled in time, um, two million years or whatever, and it's like what's going on? Oh my goodness! Why is everything so small? And he he is great. I think another thing that they didn't make totally clear, because I actually had to go back and recheck to get this, and this is even me reading into it. Mm -hmm. They don't really establish why Devil Dinosaur takes to Lunella. Like, because he does basically immediately. I figured it was like the whole Moonstone connection. That's what, that's what I figured too, but they didn't... I mean, they didn't make that they didn't, explicit. They didn't picture, draw that. I didn't have an issue with that. I was just like, okay. Well, sort of. This is his moon boy, like. Yeah, she, and she has the moonstone that he's used to his, you know, moon boy having had. But I guess my issue with that is, is that I'm I've I've made allowances for a lot of other stuff for how young the thing is pitched at. Mm -hmm. But then they go like they underplay that connection. I'm like, okay, wait. Which is it? Because, like, if I were assuming this was for a slightly older audience than I had been presuming it was, then yes, it's not too subtle. But 
pitched at the age that most of the rest of this book seems at, that seems like you should have made that clearer, that that's why he doesn't immediately eat her or ignore her. Yeah, but I think kids will go, okay, it's well, I a mean, girl. Kids will buy it because, yeah. because she's the main character. It's, it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. We want You're the dinosaur. We're on the cover together. I don't. I think they'll just go with it. I, don't I think guess, but again, it, it, again, I'm falling into the lazy writing thing. I mean, that's just taking. Yeah, I will give you the other ones. That one, I'm just like, yeah, they'll just go with it. Moon. She has the moonstone. The moonstone has some kind of pole for the dinosaur. All right. Get that. So that that one, I will argue with. The other things you're right. There's some lazy writing going on, and there's a lot of like stupid tropes going on in terms of. She was saying, I think might more or less wrap it up on that note. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it was good. I, re I get annoyed with myself when I get this nitpicky about these things because these aren't bad books and I don't like being this grouchy. I just... You made a lot of valid points that made me think, though. Um, though the art was... Um, the art was good. The art was good. It wasn't exceptional, but, like, it was fun. Um, I really did like all her little gadgets and gizmos aplenty. She, she did She did have a lot. And the, and I did like that they were, they were obviously required a, a highly technical mind to make, but were still the kinds of things a nine-year-old would come up with, like, like roller skates on springs and, and a retractable, and a, re, and a retractable um, punching glove thing. Like, I love that she had, like, one normal red rubber glove and then, like, a bread boxing glove. <laughs> I, I really liked her little superhero outfit. It was super cute with the cutaway part and the helmet for her ponytail and the big moon shirt. And I think there were suspenders going on. And, and, and also, yep, there's suspenders going Also on. looked very thrown together by... A nine-year-old. A nine-year-old. Yeah, this is definitely like a nine-year-old is like, this is my superhero outfit. <laughs> um, it's pretty great. I did like all the roller skating, too. That was fun. Yeah, so I that there are there's definitely good stuff to be had here, and I I I don't I don't I don't like being as harsh on these things as I can get sometimes, but I didn't earn the uh the honorific of professional buzzkill for no reason. So there you go. So I think we'll wrap up there. We'll do, um, unless there was anything else that, that I missed. No, I think that's about it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do a, a quick promo and then we'll, uh, we have listener feedback from the previous episode. Afternoon, everybody. How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. <laughs> Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. 
That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. <laughs> Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Welcome back, folks. So last episode was uh, us covering Trekker Rites of Passage. And we have a couple of comments, and we'll start with the one from Darren Sutherland. And, of course, it was Darren and Ruth who sent the, uh, the copies of that particular one to us. Which was so kind of them, and they were signed. Which was yes, awesome. which was very cool. And also, he gave, he gave us a little bit of context for that book as a whole with this comment, which, I mean... Which, and which was fair. So here we go. It says, Hi, Liz and Nathaniel. Thanks for covering Trekker Rites of Passage on your show. We appreciate you playing our rad promo during the episode. A fair review is always the right thing, and there's no need to apologize for being honest about the things you didn't enjoy about the book. Oh, good. We are very honest. Because uh, I don't know about you, but I can't help myself. Um, um, yes. That's true. And if you've seen how we dissected Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know we can get pretty nitpicky. Yeah. 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 And if you're curious to see that review, you can go to the Council of Geeks YouTube channel. That was a seamless plug. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Darren continues, We probably shouldn't have given you Rites of Passage as the first book to read in the series because it is very much in the middle of lots of character development and world building, which caused some confusion for you both. At this point in the Trekker storyline, Mercy <coughs> is just beginning to realize that she's falling in love with her longtime best friend, Molly, so the relationship hasn't fully developed, which is why it isn't mentioned overtly. The first full kiss between the two is soon after this story and is followed by a very open relationship between the two characters afterwards, which was... Yay! I mean, that, I mean, that's good in and of itself, but it's also good for me to hear because I, I ragged on that because yeah. taken in isolation, I was looking at it going, I can't interpret this as anything other than girlfriends, but it seemed oddly coy given the nature of the rest of the story. But now getting context for it, realizing, oh, this was like right before they started legit seeing each other. Okay, that makes sense now. So yeah, that, that helped to know few other things Darren said. Another element that you're in the middle of is this story, uh, in this story is Mercy's association with Jason Bolt, who is an agent of the organization Rigel. Mercy has been pulled into other events by Jason Bolt in the past, and her strong negative reaction to this mission is because it comes from him. We were very happy to hear you both enjoyed the art. We love Ron. Awesome. The art was great. Especially the fight scenes. Um, we love Ron Randall's art, and we're glad and that... <laughs> and we're glad that you did too. Thanks again for giving the book your time and attention. Take care, Darren. Thanks, Darren. I'll get the next one. So the next comment was from Brian Lenton. For all the times that I've enjoyed listening to Ruth and Darren guest hosts on other podcasts, I'm ashamed to say that I haven't made the time to listen to their Trekker Talk podcast. Therefore, I appreciate that you covered Rites of Passage here. My daughter does love Star Wars. So a space saga with a strong female protagonist might fall right into her wheelhouse. <gasps> Which goes with what we have planned coming up next time. Depends depends on uh, your daughter's age, I suppose, as to whether Trekker or what we're covering next time would be the better fit. 
Yes, the, the, the one we're covering next time, which is called Space Scouts, um, is um, definitely for, you know, a younger set. Um, so a space saga with a small, or a small, strong female protagonist might fall right into her wheelhouse. I'll have to see if our library system carries the first volume in the series. This looks to be a little more mature than her usual graphic novel fare, so maybe Space Scouts. And we'll have <laughs> to check it out, too. As a result, I've probably previewed this one myself. Though, I'd also be curious to hear your suggestions regarding the reader age range for this particular book. Thank yeah. you again. Normally we do we do talk about I guess we didn't for that. target age. We kind of skipped that. Um, Trekker. I'd say like like it eleven and up at least. I I would say twelve. Some some of the fights are a little brutal. If I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah, you definitely. I would not say definitely not younger than middle school. So yeah, like even like. I mean, if seventh, eighth grade and up. If if you read it and you think your daughter can handle it and she's not that old, you know, power to you. It's your kid. You make your call. But like, it, as a blanket statement, that's that's where I would land on that too. Yeah, it's, I would not have this in the younger. I would have Trekker in the younger school. It's a little rough, just violence wise, and it's not. It's not like it's the most graphic I've ever seen. But like, no, that that's definitely blood <laughs> that that is yeah. splattered across the street. I'm just. The attitude and the issues that, like, Mercy's going through is would be a little... Like, elementary kids would be like, what is going on with her? Yeah. So, I think, yeah, it's, it's a, like, I, late I, middle school and older. I think book. you previewing it is, uh, is probably a good idea. Probably. So, finally, Tim Price... Tim! Hi, Tim. Hi, Nathaniel and Liz. Interesting almost crossover with Trekker talk from this episode. I was overdue trying Trekker, but lucked into Comixology sales, so I got and read this novel. Absolutely agree about the artwork. Ron is a wonderful craftsman, so that was a delight. I guess some of your nitpicks didn't bother me as much. <laughs> they usually don't bother <laughs> other people as much as they do us. Maybe, maybe this maybe this is why we found each other is we're both the same kind of <laughs> like, nit, nitpicky but like <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't like this I didn't like this one thing and now I will rant about it for five minutes yeah we really are made for each other yeah yeah we are anyway Tim goes on uh, such as Mercy thinks the cyborgs are dangerous but she takes them out handily my take was more that Mercy is a chronic cynic so from her perspective. Uh, we see the worst take possible. Now, is that Ron's intention as a writer or me buying into the narrative of the story too much? Probably the latter. It's not me trying to sway you, and I get your points. In the end, I enjoyed this story a lot and will have to read some more Trekker. Thank you, Darren and Ruth. Your enthusiasm has converted me. See, there you go. That's the power of unbridled enthusiasm, which we were not always able to muster. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. Um, Tim continues, This particular book reminded me of a couple of other series that might qualify for this show that I would not recommend for my girls until they're older. I'm curious if you are considering them. Copperhead by Jay Faber and Scott uh, 
uh, Godlewski from Image, a traditional Western tale, but on an alien planet, and the new sheriff in town is a single mom. Nice. That one's actually on the docket. Nice. Uh, get, remember, there's like, it's in Evergreen, there's like 80 things on the docket, so that doesn't mean much, but that actually... I kind of like my space Western things and Westerns in general, and if, and speaking of like female-driven Westerns, would like to like plug Godless on Netflix. <laughs> Which you still need to watch. I've got a lot of things I need to watch. Good stuff. Um, the other one that uh, Tim mentioned, which is one I hadn't heard of, is called The Wake by Scott Snyder and Sean Murphy from Vertigo. Two storylines in the present and the future with an oceanographer, deep sea creatures, and the future of humanity. Ooh. Intriguing. I am intrigued by that. I love nice and like deep sea creatures and oceans. And we are going to be studying those. Um, second trimester, though probably not reading this book, but <laughs> for that, especially if it's slated at older, older folks, so. And Tim concludes, oh no, my thinly veiled attempt to, at suggesting even more books for your show didn't fool you for a minute, didn't, did it. <laughs> Sorry, don't know where that came from. Always a delightful show. See you next episode. Same punch time, same punch channel. Oh, that makes me sad now. Oh, Tim, you can still call us the punchers. Yeah. You, you are allowed, by all means. Although, if you get a cease and desist letter from a not very polite <laughs> business, let me know. Yep. Um, so, here's something that he mentioned. He said he wants to check out more Trekker and everything. What among the different books that we have reviewed, um, and we've discussed this, but I'll discuss it again here, um, would you like us to look at more issues of, or more books of? Um, so I wanna, we, we have discussed, we will probably again return to Miss Marvel at some point, because that's one where we're both really interested in. Obviously we've had some repeat authors um, with, well, Noelle, who was, kind of one of the many writers on Lumber James, and then um, Victoria Jameson um, twice. So is there any authors you would like us to return to or any particular characters? Um, yeah, and what, yeah. what are your thoughts besides Miss Marvel? What would you like to... Miss Marvel is the big one. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to go back and do more She-Hulk, you know that. Um, Squ Squirrel, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl's another Squirrel one. Squirrel Girl. Yeah, I think Squirrel Girl um, and Ms. Marvel are probably the two main ones. I'm on She-Hulk. I, I would like to get us some more Batgirl, but not necessarily by doing another vo volume of Batgirl. I kind of want to backdoor into that by getting to something like Birds of Prey, um, which she's in, but she's part of a If a, we could have ensemble. that artist again, oh my god. Well, that well that was the Batwoman artist. Oh, that was the Batwoman, not... Oh, I was, yeah. I was no, thinking I was, Bat. I was saying Batgirl. Oh, the um, Bats. So, I mean, so just, to, just to remind folks, some of the stuff that we've done that has additional volumes um, are characters like Batgirl, Squirrel Girl, um, Wonder Woman. We should find a... Yeah, we need to we find, should a find another Wonder Woman because we did we did Earth One, which is an alternate take, first of all, and was probably probably not the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. You kind of set me up for that. 
I, I was I, I was admittedly really curious to see what you take. Um, there's more volumes of Lumberjanes that we could do. Ooh, I would return to Lumberjanes. <laughs> yeah. You you just want you just want to yell Ripley's name. Ripley! Somewhere. I always want to yell Ripley's name, but we do want to hear from you as well, our listeners. Um, what would you be curious for us to return to? You know what I might do at some point is maybe down the line, we've got like the next couple months planned. We actually might be mostly planned through the remainder of this year. Um, but maybe starting next year, every now and then, maybe we'll put up, like come up with three or four options and put it up as a poll on Twitter. Ooh, and, uh, and actually let you guys pick what's next. Um, not right away, because as Liz said, we're already doing Space Scouts for next month, and I feel like we picked October, but I can't remember. It was something right... Are we doing Death for October? Yes, we're going to try and do Death, we death High Cost of Living. We might have a guest person for that. We, we might. get our act together. Um, so yes, it's going to be Death, High Cost of Living in October. We're going to do Battle Angel, um, Battle Angel Alita in November, because the movie comes out in December. Right. And then we have, did we figure out December? December we haven't figured out yet. But the, the next three months at least we have got um, locked up. Yay. So that'll do it for this one, folks. So thanks for tuning in to Tough Like a Girl. Got to get used to that. I know, Tough Like a Girl. Okay, so um, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you in a month. Yay, bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and a presentation of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page for Fire and Water Podcast and Council of Geeks. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye.